0: A huge draft event on the podcast today. We have Daniel Jaramata, NFL Network, and Todd McShay from ESPN going back and forth for about 45 minutes. I have a new NBA playoff power ranking system that we're unveiling until I get sick of doing it, and life advice, asking for raises. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action right now. You can check out the new and improved quick bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. $5 doesn't get you what it used to get you. I asked for change the other day. The guy gave me back four. Introducing Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps. In your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. Ever heard of it? You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. I have something new that I want to do. They're NBA playoff power rankings. You're thinking, hey, Ryan, are you going to rank all the playoff teams, the power rankings? That's going to get kind of stupid. Yes, that would get stupid. That's not what we're doing. We're just going to rank stuff because people love ranking stuff. We're going to rank different storylines, different observations, because we're only four games in in the technically not playoff portion of the NBA season, the play-in season part of it. But let's run through it. Number one of the power rankings, celebrations, or at least celebration arguments. Timberwolves went off with their win against the Clippers. Emotional win one point there i was like i think the clippers might pull this off d'angelo russell was terrific late um anthony edwards little reminders for maybe a national audience that hasn't always watched him all the time be like oh this is why you guys really like him because he has moments where you just go i can't believe this dude and what he does after a very disappointing game for carl anthony towns fouling out and all the foul trouble that he had we'll get to that a little bit later but there is there's a divide and i'm I know where I stand on it because I've said the story before and I went on part of my take this week we kind of talked about it in more depth but after I worked for the Trenton Thunder in 20 or me, yeah 2002 And being around baseball players every single day and realizing that they're not as up or down as we are as fans about the outcomes, it's really one of the greatest learning experiences I've ever had throughout my entire career. I think it actually kind of set a foundation for how I saw sports and how I would talk about them for the next 20 years. Uh, Incredible experience, that part of it. I've talked about the rest of it. It wasn't a great job. But the point is, is that Originally, I used to be like, Why are you celebrating a wild card? Like, this is stupid. Wait until the end. As if everybody was supposed to be like militant and single minded and focused. And you could never enjoy any of it unless you were actually winning everything. And that sucks. That sucks for fans. If you're in that building in Minnesota and it's feeling great and you have this comeback win and Pat Beverly's going crazy, um, you know, in that moment, why would you tell thousands and thousands of people to not feel that way? And remember, this is a franchise, the Timberwolves, that have won one playoff game since 2005 not a series one playoff game i think it was that jazz series they lost 4-1 so one game and this wasn't even it but now you're in the playoffs and so we'll see what happens i'll admit was there a pat beverly element to it where i'm like all right dude you went two for eight with seven points But it was emotional for him because it was revenge. Uh, He wanted revenge on the Clippers because he felt like the contract offer was disrespectful. They flipped him to Memphis, which then flipped him to Minnesota. And by the way, does that mean Memphis is going to be the same way against them? Because he's going to want payback, payback revenge because he didn't actually play for them. Um, But I also think Pat. Bever, the last time we saw him in the playoffs, he was shoving Chris Paul after Paul cooked him. And he was just mad. He was just mad at another player and pushed him because he was mad about it. And I remember the Clippers being like, yeah, we're probably done with you. So I don't think there was all on the Clippers not evaluating him the right way or being disrespectful. I think they were just good and ready to move on from Pat Beverly. But good for Pat Bev, good for the Timberwolves. I do think that all successful teams need somebody that kind of lives on the edge. I think technicals are generally selfish plays by players especially if you do it all the time. To me, Beverly's, for the most part, out of control throughout a lot of these games. But I do think you need some of these personalities. Not that everybody's the same, but Golden State needs Draymond's personality. They need his personality because I think the other guys are kind of passive generally. I think Marcus smart when he's not taking bad threes. And when he's playing point guard, which he has been in this turnaround, he's been terrific and great defense on top of everything else even though I think he pushed the line and is at times dirty, and I don't always love the flops. I actually hate anybody that flops. Uh, They need his personality. I think Miami, like as much as I don't – it's kind of funny that a lot of these players seem to fall in the same category for me. Lowry is one of my least favorite players to watch, but I think you need somebody that has his kind of just combative attitude the entire time. So if you have a very passive, emotional team, it's not impossible for you to win, but I think that's why a guy like Matt Barnes stays in the league for such a long time. Number two in the power rankings, new defenders. I think everybody got a little sample, little puff of Herb Jones last night. Not on Herb. T-shirts in New Orleans. Really enjoyed those. Like Licking my hands on one. Um, he is dynamic. He is all over the place. Uh, I have him on my all-rookie teams, which I'll get to some of my voting. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It'll be available for people to ridicule at some point. Um, but Jones, I, you know, this is kind of the cool part about the playing game is that let's face it. I mean, a lot of a lot of people, and I'm not blaming anybody for this, but you're learning about some of these players for the first time because they're playoff, whether it's the play-in or then playoff games. Because you're just you're more into it. I mean, there's more eyes on this stuff. So to see a rookie like Herb Jones assigned to top rimner players throughout and how how versatile a defensive player he is, it's a lot of fun. And I'm even going to give Jaden McDaniels some credit here too for the Timberwolves. I know that Paul George's final numbers in that game, I think he's 34-7-7. Seven, and seven. So you're saying, wait a minute, Paul George had 34 points. If you go back and watch, not that anybody's going to do this, if you watch Paul George try to dribble past McDaniels, he had a really hard time with it. I mean, Jaden stood him up a bunch of different times. Jaden needs to improve his three-point shooting. It was 36% last year, 31% this year, but his free throws went from 60% to 80%. So I look at like Jaden McDaniels as that just perfect 3-and-D and also a very good example of a young player changing who he is. I was talking with uh, somebody the other day where I said, you know, Nick Claxton was a really weird evaluation because he was a wing guy or wanted to run the offense and play small forward and dribble the ball up for Georgia. I'm not saying bring it up all the time, but you get the point. And now he's kind of like in that Clint Capella role, although I don't think he provides as much resistance at the rim, but you get it, like dunks and rolls and cuts, stay active, make it tough to rebound. And you're like, all right, this is cool. Like, this is not who he was. If you watch McDaniels at Washington, I mean, he was initiating more of their offense. He's never going to be asked to do that with Minnesota. Instead of forcing the issue, he's found a role. And I thought there were some really nice defensive possessions where you saw Paul George just really frustrated trying to get past him. Okay, number three in my power rankings, vote angst. It'll go down after this. Probably won't be ranked next week. I have... All my votes in, we put it in. It was, uh, like I said, a lot of fun to be able to get to do it and talk with Simmons about it on Sunday's pod. We went through basically everything. It was really, really difficult. I can't imagine if Durant played a full season if you throw him into the mix as the fourth guy deserving of MVP. Um, I'm not going to go over all the embiid Jokic shit. We've done it forever now. I had two votes that I still don't feel great about, and it came down to Butler-Siakam or for the final forward spot on my third team ballot. I went with Butler. Uh, There are great arguments for both. And it's one of those where you put it in and you go, I don't feel great about this. But that's the whole point. There's like 50 things that we're filling out. You're not going to, I don't care who you are. or At least you shouldn't be done with it. Go, yep, nailed it. Nothing nothing debatable here. And some of the defensive player of the year stuff was really tough because I think there were a lot of worthy guys. And there's also stats. There's reputation. There's a lot of ways you can go defensive player voting where you can make mistakes. And I'm just going to trust what I've seen over the course of the season. Um, not to say I eliminated all these other things. And the coach of the year, forget it coach of the year is a whole nother level. There's like eight guys that I could have put in there and felt good about it, but you had to only vote for three. Number four on my power rankings, Miles Bridges. Oh, does Russillo have him down because threw his mouthpiece at the guy who's talking shit to him as he went out of the tunnel and he hit a 16-year-old girl in the head with the mouthpiece? No, he's up in my power rankings. You want to know why? I love Miles Bridges. I love how he immediately was accountable for it last night was like, Hey, look, that's on me. Unacceptable. We know intent intent doesn't get enough credit anymore. Like what was the intent of what the person said? What was the intent of the act? His intent wasn't great. Probably should be throwing a mouthpiece at somebody and ended up hitting somebody else. She didn't seem like it was going to ruin her night. Um, And he immediately was like, hey, who is she? I need to reach out. I need to apologize. He'll get fined. I don't know if he'll get suspended or not. But the reason I bring up Miles Bridges and the reason I've always liked him so much is that he was asked, it might have been by a local reporter. He didn't make all rookie first or second team his rookie year. And it was presented as if, you know, hey, how do you feel about getting snubbed? (laughs) Not making first or second team all rookie. And Bridges goes, quote, I didn't get snubbed. I played like ass all year. As soon as he said that, I go, this is a guy I would want on my basketball team. So because he said that, it makes me think I get a sense of who he's who he is. He did something he didn't love last night in their loss to Atlanta. Um so, you know, I to me, Miles Bridges is actually going up in our power rankings, although they're eliminated. So we're not 100% sure of of where this is going. Staying with the Hornets for a bit here. I went on local Charlotte television last night. Yes, I did. And like any local fan base, when the team doesn't do well, everybody wants the coach. I'm, I don't know that everybody, I'm not super locked into the Hornets blogosphere, but it kind of blew my mind. that I was like, wait, you guys think Borrego should be fired throughout all this? I went through it. They haven't had a real center in four seasons. Plumlee's a backup. Zeller's a backup. Their last good center was Dwight Howard. They didn't have Gordon Hayward. He's their highest paid player. That's what happens when you go super max. And it isn't really super max for Gordon Hayward, but it felt like it. And you're like, wait, what are you going to pay this guy to bring him in? And the reason you do that is because you're the Hornets and you're not really going to get into the other guys, the, the top tier guys, maybe only second tier guys, maybe not even the second tier guys, right? So I get why they've done what they've done, but I don't understand why they haven't been able to get a serviceable center, something that's a bit more of an upgrade. And you can say, well, hey, they had D'Ambo, and now looking at with Phoenix. Yeah, that's right, because he's playing with Chris Paul. All right, There's, there's a pretty common theme here, what happens with bigs when they get to play with Chris Paul. So I don't understand that one. And I also realize how unpopular the Nash hire for the Nets was in certain circles of the NBA discussion space. If you're gonna tell me his rotations aren't good, you need to tell me exactly what it is about his rotations that you don't like. You gotta tell me exactly what it is because it becomes this vague, repeated thing where it's like, ah, I don't know, man. In-game adjustments. Okay, which adjustments that he's made did you not like? Be specific, because no one ever seems to be. I'm sure there's some out there that don't like if you watch your team 82 games, you'll see some stuff you don't like. I don't care who's coaching. It'd be Pat Riley back there. But if you're telling me Nash is a good coach because of in-game stuff while giving him zero credit for having the disposition to To get the Nets through this bullshit of the last two years, which has been a lot of it. Uh, you got to give them credit for that as well. Number six, almost finished here. Number six, the under 25 rankings up on ESPN.com. Three guys put this together, three guys that I respect, Bobby Marks, Mike Schmitz, Kevin Pelton. This ranking is crazy because I went into it. I'm like, okay, and I'll admit, like you, I go, all right, what am I not going to like? Top five, Luca, Tatum. John ja Morant four, Trey Young five, Lamelo. Lamelo feels a little high for me on that one, but for the most part, you're like, okay, yep, that makes sense. You keep going. Cade Cunningham was six, Zion still seven. Uh, I would put Zion behind a few guys now at this point. Bam's eight, Darius is nine, Shea Gilders Alexander ten, Anthony Edwards eleven. I guess I'm reading the whole thing. Ingram twelve, Scotty Barnes thirteen, Tyrese fourteen, Mobley fifteen. That feels low. Miles Bridges sixteen. Desmond Bain 17. Jaron Allen 18. DeAndre Ayton, 19. Ayton was 11th on one ballot and not on the other one, which doesn't make any sense to not be on it. I'd be more likely to put him at 11. Tyler Hero, 20. Jalen Green, 21. De'Aaron Fox, 22. John Collins, 23. Tyrese Maxey, 24. Jaron Jackson, 25, which seems ridiculously low. I don't think there's any version of this where I would have Jaron Jackson behind Tyler Hero, but that's the point is that it's really hard to do when you're going ahead and voting and ranking all of this stuff. So, top 25, under 25 rankings, we have 6th in my rankings. The final one. Oh, by the way, I was looking at the preseason rankings because I got in this wormhole of it. They had Bradley Beal, again, this is ESPN.com. They had Bradley Beal, 11th best player in the NBA going into this season. So these things can get a little weird every now and then. Final thing, Lakers topics. Uh, We have them dropped to 7th in our power rankings. They're probably not going away this offseason, folks. Just a little bit of a warning. The Mark Jackson thing to the Lakers, as much as I want to have it happen, just for obvious reasons. I would warn everyone that I wonder if because Mark Jackson is the clutch client in this that LeBron James is doing what he thinks is like the impressionable power move where he says that he wants Mark Jackson so that somehow another owner would be like, wow, if LeBron wants him, then we should hire him when, in fact, he doesn't want him to be his head coach. Just a theory wouldn't shock me. Those are your power rankings. In the NBA play tournament, there are no sure things except one, bet at least $20 in the same game parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook, and you'll get an instant bonus, win or lose. That's right. Not only do you get to enjoy the NBA's best duking it out for the right to advance in the playoffs, but FanDuel's giving all customers a bonus for getting in on the action. Oh, and the more you bet, the bigger the bonus. So let's take a look at some of the options. we got Atlanta favor in this one against Cleveland. I'm going to go ahead and say I think Atlanta's good. Is the most annoying thing about the Charlotte loss is that Atlanta team should have been like a five seed, maybe six. I don't know. Maybe better than that. That's actually a good basketball team, even without John Collins. So I go ahead and uh, go in that direction. The other side of it, I feel like the Spurs Pelicans thing made you feel better about the Pelicans. So I guess I'd probably go ahead and say, give me the Clippers in that one. Although I don't know. All right. So let's see here. First basket, we're in DeAndre Hunter. Play perhaps get him involved plus one thousand. Um, let's do a player point thing because we went over on Capella against the Hornets front line and that went over by six points. The other options you have here too, which is awesome for FanDuel. Atlanta Hawks win margin one to ten is plus one seventy, but if you think they're going to win by eleven or more, that's two ninety. So you can play the spread and you can play the alternate spreads as well. Um, but look at some of the matchups and see if there's players you can even go back and sort their splits and find out who's done well against other teams. Alright so FanDuel is an official partner of the NBA. Their app is safe, easy to use and you get your winnings fast. New to FanDuel Sportsbook sign up today with promo code RYAN R-Y-E-N, to make every moment more so don't just watch the NBA play in tournament be a part of it. Bet at least $20 in the same game parlays and get an instant bonus win or lose. Must be 21 and older and present in select states only. Bonus issued is now which are all free bets that expire in 7 days max bonus $100. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Step to 53342 in Arizona 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com forward slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, PA, Virginia, or 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan, 1-877-8HOPE, New York, or text HOPE, New York, 467-369, New York. Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net, West Virginia. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it'd been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. It's like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said you want to go ahead with it. And I was like, now I understand. It's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Two weeks ago before the NFL draft gets started and two of the best in the biz guys we've had on a lot very fired up about this NFL Network, Daniel Jeremiah and from ESPN, Todd McShay. So we're going to have both guys on and run through a bunch of stuff. OK, so looking at the top four now or top five, it appears that both of you have the same top five. So Hutchinson won uh, Walker, the defensive end at Georgia, who seems to be moving up a lot of the mocks now. Number two, Kayvon Thibodeau at Houston. Number three and the Giants both taking Icky out of NC State. Um, but you have Garrett Wilson, Todd, and then you have Sauce Gardner, Daniel. So I guess just right there, like are you st- both starting to feel not so much based on the mock and talent that there's becoming more of a consensus as we get closer to the top of the draft?
1: I, I want Daniel's mock draft. I, I want to redo. I'd, uh, no, I, I No, think, I think Sauce Gardner makes a lot of sense there. I, I struggle with this, Daniel. And I'm curious with your thoughts. Like, we we all know that they're looking for the Jets are looking for a, a wide receiver. Yeah. Do you wait? Do you wait until ten to take one, and maybe you get the second guy on your list, whether it's Garrett Wilson, Ohio State, Drake London, USC, or do you just take that guy at four, but then maybe pass up a pass rusher like a I don't know Trayvon Walker if he's available out of Georgia, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, or Sauce Gardeners you had a near mock draft. So I kind of struggled with that. It makes more sense, and that's why I said I, I want to redo it makes more sense to get the receiver at 10 and take a player that maybe is rated a little bit higher at four. Yeah, the,
2: inter- the interesting thing is Racilla gave us homework. So I-, I I went back through and was looking through yours and I was like, you know what? The more I look at it, and we've been talking about this a little bit uh, over the last week or so, I'm-, I'm coming more to your side of the table. So you can't come to my side of the table because I'm looking at it <laughs> and I'm sitting there saying, all right, whoever you take it for, whatever you take it for, you're crossing your fingers and, and toes at ten for for somebody to get to you. And I just thought with where they are as an organization, with Zach Wilson needing to take the next step, like would, what would what would you feel worse about? Would you feel worse if you if you, you know, take an edge rusher or a corner at four and then somehow those two receivers, I think we're on the same page here that we we have kind of those as top two guys. If Wilson and somehow now Drake Leonard are both off the board, I mean, I think you'd feel right. sick to your stomach at ten. Um, whereas if you take Wilson or or London at four and somehow an edge rusher didn't get you like my guy at that point in time, probably like Jermaine Johnson, you're probably hoping that he gets to you to give you that edge rusher or some miracle happens and sauce Gardner were to get down there to 10. Um, but if you, if you got, if you got picked clean there, you could still come back and get a, a rusher at the top of the second round or what have you. I just think when you look into the future a year from now, if Zach Wilson takes the next step and they still aren't winning a ton of games but he takes the next step i think everybody states um if he right. doesn't take the next step then then all bets are off
0: all right so what else did you like about Todd's draft cuz i'm definitely going to ask you both what you don't like cuz that'll be more interesting but we'll start positive here <laughs> i
2: i just went positive man i i i like that one the uh the chargers one i thought was interesting just because he had zion johnson he had a trade there um uh, but then after the trade zion johnson going to the chargers and i think you know, doing their doing their games. I think some people. You, know, you look at that right tackle hole, and it was on display against Max Crosby at the end of the year. But you've got Matt Filer at left guard, who played right tackle at Pittsburgh. So if they wanted to, they could take an interior lineman, um, plug Zion in at left guard, and you could kick Filer out to right tackle, and you could say you've got you know you've got a really really good offensive line there at that point in time.
1: Yeah, I I, I actually went through it last night a little bit too based off our homework assignment. And uh, <laughs> I, I, like, I like Traylon Burks. I know it's down a little bit in terms of the first round, but Traylon Burks to, to the Cardinals, I think, would make a lot of sense. I really like that fit. You know, you lose Christian Kirk in the offseason. They've got outside receivers. Now you bring in a, a big slot who's very different in terms of his play style and his size than Christian Kirk, but, but provides a, a lot of the same things in terms of being in – he's most comfortable working the slot. He's a big receiver who, yes, can get vertical and, and can make some plays on contested catches. But what he does best is after the catch with his vision, yeah. his run strength, and, and his buildup speed. You know, he's a tough one, man. I, I remember listening to you, Daniel, at the um at the combine and talking about like some people think you could run the four threes, some people think mm-hmm. he could be a four-five-five five guy. And he ran a four-five-five. Five. And honestly, based off the tape, that's about where I, I thought he would be. But then you get like you know the when he was registered at uh, what was it twenty two point six miles an hour whatever the number yeah. was it would have been faster than anyone was measuring it was on that ninety one yard screen pass against George Southern where he took off and he has that build up speed so when he gets that top speed he it's a little bit faster than four five five but regardless I I like that pick I I thought you know the Cardinals getting in in that offense. They they really need to have four quality receivers, I believe. You know, with the tempo that they want to go and, and how they're rotating guys in and out and, and just the, the three and four receiver sets they run. So I think getting another weapon there is gonna be critical.
0: You touched on um treylon Burks. Who, you know, if you watch those games, there's beyond just the measurables and the production, there's some there's some badass in there too. You know, like, <laughs> hey, let's go up. You guys need me to make a play on third down, like I'm your, like just make sure the ball's over here. It got me thinking about part of the homework assignment, which you now referenced seven times because it was a lengthy text. DK Metcalf was a body, like we saw him, everybody fell in love with him. And then you're like, okay, well, wait, how come he's going 64th? And I think probably the frustrating part of your jobs, and I don't know where you both had him, maybe I remember Todd a little bit more, is like, hey, he's a second round guy, a little limited in the route running, it's not all there. And then it's like, A, everybody was wrong. And you're like, well, was everybody wrong or did he expand or did they not, they not use him? Because I keep hearing some of these Burks-Metcalf comps. And I think like, well, wait, I understand it from the physical part of it, even though D- DK is kind of like in his own tier. Mm-hmm. The production and I think the the versatility as a receiver, like Burks is shown more at Arkansas than we saw from DK in college, right? Oh. I
2: think it's tricky, though. I think, I think it's yeah. tricky because with DK – He had a neck injury. So if he doesn't, he's clean medically, he goes in the first round. So a lot of teams had issues with that. So that's why he fell. I think he was like my 16th or 18th player or something like that in that draft. So that was a big part of of why he fell. The other thing was, I think people got in, you know, it's easy to do it. I do it all the time. But you sit there and focus on what a guy can't do. It's like, okay, he can't really drop his weight. He can't get in and out of breaks. I'm like, I don't care. You can't, nobody can run with him. He's bigger and faster than everybody else on the field, and you saw that. And where Todd was talking about with Burks, where it looked more build-up speed, which is was evident at the combine. He's a he's a mid-four-five guy that has tremendous top speed once he gets there. You felt DK Metcalf off the line. Um, he separated. He was just a different style of guy, and. You know, Burks, I think, is a, is a got the potential to be a more versatile route tree guy to be able to do more things. But they didn't ask him to run a wide variety of routes in that Arkansas offense either. Um, it was a lot of quick hitters, bubbles. You know, get the ball in his hand, vertical routes. You don't see as many opportunities for him to really run. You know, comebacks and, and different things like that. So, I you know, I I love him as a as a as a prospect of what he's going to be. And he had a ton of big play production there but it's going to be a little bit different in terms of what he's going to be asked to do at the next level.
1: i say this too. I mean, as DJ well knows, character and durability are the two things that, that frighten you in the first round because you can't miss on those picks yet. You know, about 40% of the first round picks wind up not playing up to the level that you would, you would expect. So the two things that can knock you down are durability and character. And with DK, the neck injury was the biggest thing as you mentioned. And then what you saw on tape as you as you referenced it. You know, getting in and out of breaks, is he just a nine route guy? Is he just a vertical receiver? And then he runs it. What was it like? Three cone was like seven, three, two or something. Yeah. It was terrible. And his short shuttle was terrible. And it's just so it it added to that narrative, if you will that he's not a guy who's going to do much more than provide a vertical presence and and when the ball's in the air. So, you know, that's why he fell. But, you know, just looking at this class, and I I don't know if DJ, if you agree or not, it's, I mean, there are some you know questions with Kayvon Thibodeau and, and does he love ball and where's the violence and passion in his play consistently and, and Stingley, the Derek Stingley, the cornerback from LSU and, in the last two years only ten games played, the Liz Frank injury, and then watching him and you know, multiple plays just kind of turning down contact, changing his pursuit angle so he wouldn't get in the mix, things like that. But there's not as many major durability issues. David Ajabo, obviously, with the Achilles yeah. injuries, he's probably probably the biggest, most impactful. And then you've got the two Alabama wide receivers who are gonna fall a little bit because of it. But I, I don't think maybe as you know, everyone said when when John Mechie had his knee injury, uh, he's going to be a third rounder. I, I don't think he gets out in second at this point. Yeah, I and think I might James- be with you on
2: that.
1: Yeah, and Jameson Williams, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, he'll be lucky to, you know, late for, like, right after the injury. Yeah, he could fall mm-hmm. out of the first, or late first. Now I'm hearing he could go in the top 10 or top 15 picks. So uh, this year's class, we've been fortunate that there's not that many significant injuries or character issues that are, that are knocking guys down.
2: There's All no right. smoking gun. There's no smoking gun. Sorry, Ryan. Yeah, there's just some guys are like, oh, this is a deal breaker, you know, character wise or, right. or medically off the board. Got to move on. There's some down the line, like, you know, day three guys that I've heard some stuff on, but I have not got anything in any of my conversations that were like, no, nah, this is a do not touch.
0: Okay. Perfect segue. You guys are on it because I'll, I'll use an example. Um, when I'm doing NBA draft stuff, we're talking different people and you'll ask about lottery pick and I'll hear like every now and then, I don't know, man, like it's not so much him, but the people around him you know, it's, it's kind of a warning and I'll keep track of those things. And I swear there's plenty of guys that flamed out because they weren't good players and had nothing to do with the people around them. There's players that have had great people around them and they flamed out and there's guys that supposedly had the worst people around them and they may still have, and then they end up making multiple all-star teams. So <laughs> when, when you start looking, and I do think the basketball culture is a little bit different the football culture, because the players are younger they're coming in, you know, you go through the college part of it three years in, you're probably weeding out some people. Um, I look at like Jeffrey Simmons. Okay, we know what was on him at Mississippi State. There's a video of him getting the altercation of a woman that was defended as as well, Wait, he was, he was defending his mother. I, you know, I'm not debating what the whole thing was. He's one of the most disruptive defensive linemen in the oh. entire league. And he still went in the first round. He would have gone higher. And I remember you even DJ saying at some point, like, this guy might end up being the best player out of this entire draft. Where are you, both with the draft part of the evaluation and your front office part of it, where you go, there's certain things that we don't want in our building, but there's also a lot of success stories on the field from players that, you know, it have, have some shit on. Go ahead, Tom.
1: Well, I'll say this. I remember with Simmons, and I don't know the intel you got. I remember with Simmons talking to people at the school, talking to other scouts who had done 15 months of due diligence. He was like the best guy on the team. It was just a bad incident. And he he got carried away. I think it was his mom or it was a family yeah. member. It might have been his sister. I can't remember. Um, and it, it, I mean, and you can't take away what he did. But before, prior to that incident and after that incident, he was like, he was a model citizen, great guy, a leader and all those. So you have to factor everything in, I guess is my point. It's, and, and there were some guys like Devontae Wyatt has an off the field issue, with you know, I'm looking at it right now. I could read the whole thing, but just with a, an incident that happened. So you just bottom line have to dig into who the person is and, and figure out what what you're getting. I think that's the most important part. And like we said before, there's not a lot of guys, at least in the first couple rounds, where it's like do not touch. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's like all right, off the board. But there's not a lot of guys in this class, which is which is makes it better. I mean, ultimately, what you want to do in, in scouting and what the player to be, but unfortunately, so much. So much time has been spent on, on the character and the durability stuff at this point because that's the biggest concern. Am I investing fifteen, seventeen, twenty million dollars on a rookie contract, and I'm going to get I'm going to get a, an asset that is just not going to be there on the, f- the field for me because of his character, or because of his durability problems?
2: I, I would say also that I think one of the interesting sides of it when you get into the character stuff and even the medical stuff is you have to factor in what the depth of that position is in this draft class. You have to factor in how desperate the need might be for, for some teams. And then you and then the third part of it is you factor in which organizations are comfortable with these types of risks. Some of them, yeah. you know, if you've got a if you've got a coach who's got a lot of job security and is not going anywhere, you can afford to take a chance on 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 some of these guys. If you're in a smaller medium market where you're not going to get hammered um, by everybody, if you take somebody that might have had an off the field situation, all those things matter. You could talk to, I mean, if you talk to, you know, Joe Shane or Joe Douglas with the Giants or the Jets, and you've got someone with a major character issue, they'll be
1: like, there's well, no way. I get no chance. Cool. I can't take him. It's not going to happen. I'll have you them. talk to the Chiefs, they'll, they'll say, it's well, different. maybe we'll give him a chance. We'll, you know, we can take care of him here. And it's, a, yeah, it's a different market too. I agree, DJ.
2: So that, that kind of all factors into it, but I know, you know, it, it, Ryan, you're talking about the NBA and how you can find, you know, a lot of examples of guys that, that maybe didn't have the best, um, you know, I guess you call it basketball character or whatever, you know, you want to phrase that and still having success. I know in a lot of the guys that I've missed the, the vast majority of them, um, I, I was, I would, I either didn't know or didn't calculate enough into the fact that there was work ethic mm-hmm. concerns. Like it's hard. It's hard at the NFL level with the, you know, the amount of studying that goes in it, it, every single week in the to, in order to be good at your at your position. If you're not willing to put in the work and you're just going to try and rely off your athletic ability. I think of the who was the corner Todd from Oklahoma State who went in like the top ten, the that the Browns uh, took Gilbert, right? Uh yes. Yeah. Justin, Gil- Justin Gilbert Justin Gilbert. Absolute freak show athlete absolute freak show but then you found out i didn't find this out till after the fact but like he was missing he was training i think at img and they said he would come one every three days like stuff like that it's like man those are blinking red red uh, lights there that should be a a good warning sign for you
0: let's get to the quarterbacks um todd you have pickett going sixth dj you have him going 18th. so there's there's some gap there i want to frame the question this way I'm going to go through maybe the top three or four guys. Give me, DJ, I'll start with you. Yeah. What would be the best, forget you know the value of the draft selection. What would be the best team, meaning staff, situation? What would be the best for Pickett first?
2: I'm going to go one that I have I've not used this one before, but when I saw these questions, I started kind of looking at, at some things. I might surprise you and go Atlanta with Pickett. And I don't think you'd do it at eight. I, I would try and trade back a little bit if you could. But I look at at Pickett and skill set wise, doesn't have like an overpowering arm. Well, you're playing indoors. You're playing in a division with good weather, um, so that's a good fit. You think about Arthur Smith having success uh, with Tannehill. He's a, that's kind of a comp for him. Very similar type player. so he would know how to use them. Think about going and replacing Matt Ryan. You know, you could say maybe he's a poor man's Matt Ryan, but there's you know there's something to like there. And I think with his maturity for a younger guy coming into incredibly, you know, talent deficient roster um, and it's going to require some patience. I think this is a guy who's, you know, who's been around the block and played a lot of football and he'd be able to kind of weather that storm, maybe more than any of these other young quarterbacks could.
1: Yeah. The tough part is the team. I think most likely in the top 10 to take a a quarterback is the team that I, I would not want my son to be drafted by. That's Carolina number six. You know, just just where they are as an organization. How long does Matt Rule have as the head coach? How long does he want to be there? From all accounts, and I'm told that he he'll be he's not going to be crying when um when when the two sides part in this situation. So it just seems like a bad situation moving forward, at least for the next couple of years with uh, with Carolina. So I I think that would be a good fit for Atlanta. I think so. Um, I think Pittsburgh would be as as well to a certain degree, um, but I think. That they want more mobility. That's why I think, to me, Malik Willis makes the most sense with, with Pittsburgh. That would be the perfect fit. Does he get there? I mean, he could be the sixth pick overall. And the other, other thing that's interesting this this class, the way the, the draft lays out, Atlanta at eight, I think we all agree it's it's too rich to take a quarterback at that spot. I know they want to address other positions, wide receivers specifically. Maybe they from 43, they trade back up to get a quarterback. like does Ritter from Cincinnati uh, late in the first round but at eight, you've got Atlanta. At at nine, you've got Seattle. After six, we talked about Carolina. But once you get to 10, between 10 and 19, there isn't a team that I'm sold on that's going to take a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, New Orleans could, but I don't think that that's their MO. I think the the reason for that trade is they they want two position players, whether it's wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, they want to fill that gap with, what they think is like the richest part in terms of value of this year's draft class. And I wouldn't disagree. There's a lot of good players in that, you know, 12 to 20 range. So I think you get down to 20. So if Pickett goes six, Malik, theoretically, if no one traded up, could fall to 20 and vice versa. If Malik goes six, Pickett could fall to 20. That's a huge difference. That's like a, you know, a $14 million difference in the rookie contract for starters, but also just thinking about like being a top six pick in the draft, versus sitting around waiting until the 20th pick overall, and the expectations when you become the league, too. They're different when you get picked to 20 than they are when you're the number six overall pick.
0: Okay, so wait a minute. So Malik Willis for you, Todd, was Pittsburgh. What about you,
1: Daniel? Yeah, same. I mean, I, I, I don't
2: really have more to offer there. It's just they, they've they been uh, connected to them since uh, I, I believe it was at the Senior Bowl, where everybody saw Mike Tomlin kind of with the, with the hard eyes, just kind of watching Malik Willis and all the talk, as Todd mentioned, about them wanting to get more mobile. It just gives them a little something different. It's kind of like the, I don't know if it's like this in the NBA, but usually you, you hire the opposite of what you just fired. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like that with quarterbacks, too.
0: No, that's true. All right, Matt Corral. I, maybe, I don't know if I'm, I'm making this specific enough you know, for it. Because actually, maybe there's a better version of this question. This is my old Spurs thing, although maybe it's, it's fallen off a little bit. But when the Spurs would draft a player I didn't like, I was like, I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> you're like, all right, whatever is is there a, a team a front office would if they take a quarterback that you don't like you're like okay then I'm probably wrong if they took him so I'm essentially asking you which front office you trust the most when they take a quarterback or they make a quarterback decision the, well the I crazy don't
2: know thing that, is you can't say that though right Todd because
1: if you're good at drafting quarterbacks you only do it once every 20 years yeah so we don't know I mean I, I would say Seattle would be interesting for Corral you know I think what do they pick 41 and or 40 and 41, somewhere in that range in the second round, early in the second round. And, um, you know, obviously they got Russell Wilson in the third round, targeted him. He, Corral has some similarities, not, not all, but some similarities in terms of the quick twitch. And, uh, you know, he's so so good with the RPO and, and getting the ball out. He has probably, I think, the fastest delivery and just, it's just a snap delivery with the football. His deep accuracy needs improvement. He's undersized and can that body hold up with, with his aggressive play style? That's probably the biggest concern with him. So, but I, I think, I, I don't know, there's something about Corral to Seattle that would, would make some sense to me. Where, and I'm told that they really like Drew Locke. And I don't know what you've heard, DJ. I, I'm told that they really believe they can develop him. But to bring in another guy just for competition, if Locke doesn't work out, then you, you've got some backup uh, and still have two other picks in the top 50 where you can try to you know, replace this roster that is, is dwindled down very quickly.
2: Yeah, they, that's the, I wrote down the exact same team. So I wrote down Seattle as well. And sometimes you're trying to connect the dots and, and I was like, look, this is a pretty simple way to do it. But I'm like between Lane and, and his relationship with Pete, like there's a, yeah. there's an easy line of communication there. If he's, if, if, if you get that strong of an endorsement from Lane, I think it would go a long way uh, with Pete. I think the Seattle it, again. I know there's a lot of these teams that want to get out and trade down. I don't know who you can find partners to come up, but they would be a classic. That would be kind of a Schneider move to be able to take nine and even turn you know turn that into some more picks, even some more picks into next year, and then you get some of the freedom and the liberty to go ahead and take a flyer on somebody. And Corral, if you're just talking upside, um, you know you could put his upside. I don't know Malik Willis. I think we'd be on the same page. Has the most upside. But mm-hmm. corral if, if, if he can kind of no pun intended, corral him and keep him from, you know, playing so reckless with his legs so he can survive, he throws it really, really well. He's got quick feet he's got quick delivery. Everything he does, just has got a lot of twitch to it, a lot of life to it. So um, there's a lot to work with. The offense is tricky to, you know, to kind of evaluate out of, because it's like, you know, it's Lane Kiffin card flipping shot plays with like hitches and goes right. and sluggos and all that kind of stuff. So, um just in terms of working through progressions i think that'll be a work in progress
0: okay scenario time are you ready yeah you're sitting there at number 37 you're running the war room for the houston texans and cleveland calls and they go hey baker number one overall pick for the 37th pick dj that's an
2: i'll i'll, I'll say no on that one um, I think that, I think with Davis Mills there, I saw him play live last year against the Chargers by one of his, his better games, but I, I think he's just getting started. And I think what he's shown is enough to get me excited about him. And I think, um, you know, some of the difference between those two guys in terms of maturity, I think would, would lead me in the direction I'm going to roll with, roll with the guy I
1: got. I completely agree. And Houston has so many holes to fill the, the good news is they have five picks in the top 80, 13, uh, three, 37, 68, and 80. So they, they've got some capital to bring in quality players and rebuild this roster. But yeah. And and with Baker, you're getting all the other Baker stuff with it too. You know, I mean, it it will become a media frenzy and, you know, and, and you're going to completely stunt the growth of Davis mills. So I just, I would stick with Davis mills and and see where it goes. And and again, you're building this roster. Basically. I don't want to say scratch, but pretty damn close. So, if he doesn't work out in the next couple of years and continue to grow, then at some point you can try to upgrade that position but i would try to build all around the quarterback position on both sides of the ball in order to to get a, a real sense of what you have at quarterback
2: The other thing I would add real quick to piggyback that is i think about last year in every single practice where you had cameras on the on the quarterback who was off to the side um and now yeah. you finally have you finally got a chance to be kind of drama free and now you're going to have a quarterback competition and i i don't i don't think they'd want to sign up
0: for that wow all right so it almost almost makes me think you guys would hang out i didn't think 37 was going to get it done by the way but i uh <laughs> i i was wondering <laughs> if 80 was going to get it done and i think i already have the answer to that one so it, <laughs> it okay all right scenario number two you're running the kansas city chief brett Veach is so into f1 that he retires he's like look i've already won <laughs> I've already proven everything I need to prove. I'm just going to lock into F1. Maybe become a a team principal at some point. Um, So you're running the war room for the Chiefs. They're sitting there at number 29 and 30. The seventh pick is off the board. Atlanta calls with number eight. Now, I think the value chart for the draft is one of the dumbest things ever for years because <laughs> it's a number associated based on the number value without taking into account ever of what the actual draft is that year is it a deep draft is it a weak draft what's the positional strength well the positional weaknesses so that would mean hey atlanta goes we want to just add a couple pieces to the back end give us 29 and 30 and you can take the eighth pick in the draft
1: top and 30 I think I'm trying to give you a two and maybe a later pick. But I'm moving up. Let's, let's just get to the point. I'm moving up if I'm Beach in Kansas City. I'm not sitting back and waiting for, for Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jameson Williams, Chris Olave, maybe Jahan Dotson and Traylon Burks all to get drafted ahead of me when I need a guy. And I, listen, I've got 12 picks if I'm Beach and, and Andy Reid. I've got 12 picks. I don't need 12 players. Like there's not roster spots for 12 guys to come in and c- compete. And, I, you know, to me, they've got four picks in the top 62, six picks in the top 103. You've got to package some of those picks and, and go get aggressive and get a guy. I would love to see James Williams. I, I know the injury, but he's ahead of schedule according to to what I've heard. Um, there's a chance that he could be, uh, you know, close to 100% as a rookie. Maybe you, you miss out on the first four or five weeks of the season. But if for a, a potential like Super Bowl challenging team with the roster they have, after losing Tyreek Hill, Jamison Williams, where he's 100%, is the closest thing in this draft to Tyreek Hill. And it's not, to me, it's not even really close. So I, I, I would pick a spot, maybe eights too high, but wherever it is, I would try to move up and get Jamison Williams or one of these other receivers to fill that void.
2: Yeah. Look, Ryan Russilla was put on this earth to eat weights, shoot jumpers and do podcasts. Jamison Williams was put on this earth to play in the Kansas city chiefs offense. Like, no, no, that would, that would be the target for me. And I don't think you'd have to go all the way up there to that eighth pick. I, w- I would kind of try and see if you feel out the wideout thing. And maybe that puts you up in the early teens. I would want to part with both 29 and 30, but I wouldn't mind parting with one of those picks and one next year. I mean, I think, if, if you get Jamison Williams, that might be the 32nd pick next year. So I, I wouldn't have any problem, you know, parting with next year's one if that was your target.
1: All right. Speaking, speaking of Rosillo, you know, when I, when I met Rosillo, it was over 20 years ago, right? He was, you know, oh, this three. Young guy, young guy from Martha's <laughs> Vineyard, you know, just trying to make his way in the big city in Boston, local radio. I looked up yesterday, I was looking for, for a podcast to listen to before working out. I was looking up yesterday. He's got the number four podcast. No. The number four podcast in sports. And the beauty of Priscilla is uh, number three. Can't see it. He's putting up three. <laughs> I saw number four yesterday, so maybe you slipped a little. But I was just going to say the beauty of Priscilla is he's going to tell me why the numbers are cooked, and he's really number one. He's not. He's not I'm definitely not number one. Four. No,
0: there's a lot of people All with right. cooked numbers. Uh, part of my take and Bill do not have cooked numbers. I don't have cooked numbers. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm number three. So you caught it on the wrong day. So it depends okay. on how it cycles. We could do the, what do podcast rankings really mean? Podcast, we'll do that maybe after the draft.
2: By the way, we've got to get you some more. We could to you some more wall art or something back there, Ryan. Like, what are we working with back there?
0: I want to be able to leave like that no matter <laughs> what. Just want to we pack it all up. We
1: own two homes in in Manhattan Beach, you know, you out <laughs> of stuff to put on the walls, right?
0: <laughs> We're down to one. That was just a real estate transaction. Uh Todd just I knew it actually took a little late it's 33 minutes in. I'm like, "All right, now Todd's going to wear me out a bit." We By need to By the way, catch are we getting
1: dinner dude, I stay
2: in there. I stay at that uh what is it? The the West Drift, uh it used to be the Manhattan Beach Marriott. I yeah, stay done. there on I stay there done. on Monday nights. We got to we got to do dinner. All
0: right. Done and done. Todd, I got rid of the other house because Todd hadn't come to visit yet. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's stay with us because you guys have been awesome. I, I love doing the scenarios and throwing them out there. Hey, you're the Buffalo Bills. You're running their war room. We've had some weird fallers. Can't figure it out. Okay. Number 25 in the first round. Devin Lloyd from Utah for some reason still there. Derek Stingley still there. But you do want a running back that always seems to be the to do list. Uh, my philosophy on running backs is different. I'm not running the war room. All right, Daniel, go.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll take Stingley there. I think he'd be punished enough. Uh, that that yes. would have to end right Stamp there. Stamp that. That, that. That's a team that that's going to be playing with a lead darn near every game. With as explosive as they are, so who benefits from that? It'd be somebody like Stingley who could you know sit there. And- take the ball away a bunch. Um, if you're going to be playing teams, playing catch up, I think he matches them uh, better than anybody else. I do love the idea of them taking a running back which is side, you know, side topic, just because you know, the whole running back discussion, you know, don't take running backs in the first round. To me, it's a little more nuanced than that. If your team's done like completed and you just need a running back, then every single one of that running backs carries for the next four years is going to matter. I'm against right. taking a running back when you have a bad team, and you're going to waste running back carries on a bad team. That's a poor investment because of the shelf life. But if you're a team like Buffalo and you're ready to go right now, um, shoot, I, I would have no problem with that. But in that particular scenario, I'd take Stangling.
1: Yeah, and, and Brees Hall would make sense there. I mean, I think both the I think Walker actually catches the ball better than people think based off of his numbers, but um, but Brees Hall catches the ball really well, and, and they obviously want a back that can be involved in the passing game. Also, so, but yeah, Stingley. If Stingley's there, even Andrew Booth from uh, from Clemson would make sense. I, I think the cornerback is their number one need, but running back certainly would would be a good fit there. I would argue it's up there with like wide receiver and guard tackle, so you know. But they they have one position that they, in my opinion, they need, and then running back would would be next. Where they, you know, they're solid, but they but they really haven't committed to running the football with their running back as much as, as much as some people would like to see. So it'll be interesting with Buffalo, but Stingley would be an absolute steal.
0: Okay. Last one here uh, on the scenarios. And I got a couple final questions here. Cause we know we have other duties as you guys are busy. All right. You're the jets. you have already taken somebody at number four. Probably feel pretty good about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of different directions it could go, but you're sitting there with that 10th pick came over from Seattle, which turned out to be a terrific trade because I, I still don't understand giving up that much for Jamal Adams, and it wasn't seeming like Jamal Adams was a great hang if you were the Jets at the point. Yeah. Uh, end of history lesson. The Washington commanders call you up, and they go, you know what? We'll do Chase Young right now for number
1: 10. Todd. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean
0: <laughs> okay so there's, no
1: let's, there's just, no let's just sign off with that <laughs> see you see you're good catching up
2: my my first my first move on that when that phone call comes is i would look down of my phone and make sure that it's not april 1st that it's actually april 28th and then as once i had that confirmed once i had that confirmed i'm uh i'm all in
0: all right. So still both very high on Chase Young is, is what I'm, yeah. I'm I
2: know last year was what it was, but that okay. dude's a freak, man. I'll bet on him.
0: What about number four then? What if they called and said, we'll give you Chase Young for number four? Yep. Okay,
1: okay.
2: I, I would I would I would at least uh I would push back and see if I could get him to ten on that one. But if they were haggling and they said no, it's four or nothing, I think I would I think I would do pick four. All
0: right. Okay. All right. I like this though. I I didn't know. I, I was trying to make it a little harder, and clearly that was not challenging whatsoever. All right. So we have a couple more things here that are challenging. Give me the guy that you've had in your own projections as a second rounder. Um, Todd, I'll ask you first where it just, you, you don't, the 32 slots fill up. You're talking to teams, and this guy's going in the second round, and you already regret the fact that he's going to be projected as a second rounder, knowing that he doesn't deserve to go in the second round. Hard,
2: we're gonna say because, the same guy. We're gonna say the same. Hold on, I'm gonna write it down on right. my paper so that they know that I. I think we're gonna say the
1: same guy, but uh, okay, go ahead. I've got like six guys here. Um, Boye Mafe.
2: A good one. That's not the one that I picked, but I thought I really misjudged our connection on this one.
1: Who would it be? <laughs> Let me uh, give me another guess. Um, He's a guy I think we both think
2: is a top 15 type player in this draft. Yeah, but,
1: uh, oh, Devin. I mean, um, Nicole Dean. Yeah. yeah. I still don't think he gets out of the first, but he could. He could. He could. I, noticed, I think you and I are the only two people on, on planet Earth who think he's a great football player. I mean, I don't know the conversation. You Show know, me the that? tape where
2: I, what tape do I put on where he doesn't make a bazillion plates? I'm still trying to find got that.
1: There's guys on that defense that possibly could get drafted, and, and several of them in the first couple of rounds. He's the best player on the field every single yeah. tape. He's two steps ahead of the other linebacker. Listen, I, I really like Quay Walker, and I get it. Like, he's longer, he's faster, and he's got the traits. But there was one elite linebacker on the field every single week, and that was Nicobe Dean. I, and I, I, I said it recently, and, and I put it in a tweet. Like, I'm, I'm going to die on the Dean Hill, and I'm totally fine with it. Like, I, you know, yeah. he's gonna, he, he could go 35, and, but I'll, like, we'll, we'll talk in three years. I, I just don't see that guy busting the, the way that – like, his pass-rushing instincts and the way he works the edges of guys and stays on blocks, and everyone's saying, well, his arms are – no, his, his arms are about the average in the last five years of off-the-ball linebackers. And, yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not as long as some of the elite guys in the league. But, like, I go, I go back to Zach Thomas. You know what he was able to do with his instincts and how he could get get off the blocks and stay unblocked, and and Jonathan Vilma is another guy that that keeps coming up, and I think that's a good comparison as well. I'll take N'Kobe Dean every day of the week.
2: Yeah, I, that was mine. I just think if if we're talking about a photo shooter, we're talking about a football game because th- yeah. this is what he that's what he is, that's what he does. It's every single game. He's two steps, as you said, he's two steps ahead of everybody on the field. And I, you know, I think he would probably would have ran in the mid four or fives. He's not, you know. Devin, Devin White's a low 4 4. I think Devin Bush was low 4 4. You look at some of the guys that have gone up there in the top 12 or 15. Yeah, for the most part, they're all guys that can absolutely fly. He's fast enough. And it doesn't matter. I, if you're going to put a 4 5 5 linebacker next to a 4 4 0 linebacker, and my four five five guys guy's got two steps before you even see where the ball's going, yeah. it's all negated. Yeah. So, but I talked to, I, you know, like you're doing, I'm making a bunch of calls, talking to guys. And I would say more teams, than not have quay Walker over him.
1: It's, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Maybe maybe we'll both look like idiots in three years. Well, very good chance.
0: Throw me into the uh, the N'Kobe Dean hill. I, not only will I die on that hill, I will chop my own arm off and scream <laughs> at the opposition. <laughs> I, I, one of my questions was going to be, why are you guys both going to be wrong about Nicobe Dean? I can't fathom. <laughs> I can't fathom. Although I liked Ernie Sims a lot, too. Um, but I'm not saying uh, Ernie he's Ernie Sims. Sims. Ernie Sims was
2: fast. Ernie Sims was super explosive. He was little right. he was explosive. Yeah. He was very this little. This guy's instinctive, right. like totally right. different instincts. The, in- the yeah.
0: instincts where it's like, oh, the play's already there. Why's is fucking Kobe Dean already in the yeah. play? Like, oh, there yeah. he is. Okay, Um, two quick things then as we close. Give me the top 10 pick then that you know is going in the top 10 where you're like, I really wouldn't want to have to pull the trigger on this player. But he's just, he's just say- in that.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead, Todd. Who you got? I would say Charles Ross
2: if, if yeah. he goes in the top <laughs> ten. <tackle. laughs>
1: same one. The same one, yeah. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I keep mocking it, and the two tackles, Evan Neal from Alabama and, and um, Ikey Aquani from NC State wind up going, you know, they could go five or seven. Obviously, the Giants could take an offensive lineman. I don't think the Jets will, but there's, there's other spots. If they're both off the board, then I think, Houston at three is another team that could. So I I think that that Seattle could take Cross, and I keep writing trying to write that in, and I, I struggle with it.
2: Yeah, it's the same one for me. And I look, he's a good player. I think I have him mm-hmm. like in the early twenties. So I'm not. I mean, I think he's going to be a functional starter. But there was there was no time when I watched him where I thought, man, this is the uh, the type of explosiveness or dominance that that you would expect for a top 10 tackle. There's a lot of times where I thought he got kind of knocked off his pegs a little bit. Um, and that that kind of worried me. So I, again, I think he's got a chance to be a functional tackle. And I think there's probably an Andre Dillard wound somewhere uh, back yeah. in there of having overgraded a tackle on that offense in the past. Um, so maybe that's uh, that's uh, me being unfair to the kid for that reason. But yeah, that's that would be the one I would. I just wouldn't feel great about all the way up there.
0: Last thing, who would make a better GM of the two of you?
1: Easily, oh, be, DJ.
2: No, it would be it would be Todd because I there's no chance in God's green earth. I've 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 seen both sides of this thing now, and this is such a better gig, man. This is such a better life. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Todd make that mistake when that offer comes. I'm gonna try and talk him out of it and tell him don't do it, don't do it. Um, yeah. But there's a chance he would. Uh, there's zero chance I'm doing that.
1: No, well, we're uh, we're lucky to be sitting where, where we are, and I'm reminded of that just about every time I talk to people in the league. Is it is it more so
2: now than ever before? Every time, it's crazy. I'd, it's like I'd a switch wild, with wild you. West. I would switch with you right now. I get that all the time.
0: Yeah. I I loved when I when Todd first started kind of blowing up about it. I'd be like, "Well, do you get offers?" And he'd go, "Yeah, all the time." Like, "What are you?" Of course, I'm getting offers to work for teams. He's like, and then I tell him how much I make, and they go,
1: "What?" <laughs> if you get, you know. 29 year old area scout yeah uh -uh. Uh, look you guys
0: are terrific thank you so much for finding some time for us here and uh i'll bug you again after it's all done all right so thanks again daniel jeremiah you can listen to him on the move the sticks podcast and of course nfl network and you can see todd all over espn and also host of the first draft podcast the espn draft podcast drops two weeks away This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate? Hate is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like you should. Gain season. Throw in a little something extra. An appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food Buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit
3: an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can
1: possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required.
0: Life advice on a Thursday. Life advice, at gmail.com. We always have follow-ups. We appreciate him. Kyle sent a few through. Uh, Follow-up on the Gary Player guy. We had a few handicaps chime in, but it wasn't overwhelming. and. Uh, you know, we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. So appreciate the uh, participation on this one. My parents belong to the same club as Gary Player. Gary plays to like a four handicap, occasionally shoots even par 72 from the members' tees. So that's uh, 6,200 yards. While he typically takes a car, I'm sure it was a competition Gary could play the back tees and kick Connor's ass for 18. I think more people agree with you. So I, I think we're good there. Did we have anything else? Okay, this this follow ups. <laughs> there was there was some verification done on this follow up on the Memphis gym fight up between suave guy and man bun guy. Maybe it's true. I don't know. Entertainment sake, we'll we'll see. I I I think the guy does something here that makes me think this is real. So, uh, here we go. Long time listener. Uh, I heard the gym fight. Life advice yesterday. I thought to myself, "Who in the hell throws hands at the local?" Uh, okay, he names the gyms. So we'll leave that out. On a Monday morning before work. Fast forward to tonight. One of my longtime friends calls me to catch up, and right before he hangs up, mentions he's getting into an altercation at the gym. Light bulb immediately went off. I didn't want to ask him any questions, act like I knew the story, so I played dumb and got a brief rundown. So his friend, a suave guy, who got punched in the face. That's what the okay. emailer is claiming here. He goes, uh, man bun guy, who I do not know, did punch him in the face multiple times. He said it was insane, unpredicted behavior. and will be pressing charges against oh, him. Uh, Getting ugly. He said going into the full context details would take at least 30 minutes, so he'll fill me in this weekend. I will report back after I gather more information.
4: Wow, you pulled off a two-parter, guy. Good job. Pulled off a two-parter Ooh. life advice update. Good for you. <laughs> now we have to come back. If true, you're a genius. If true,
5: you're a genius. Bro. If you're here's the thing though, if if this guy's gonna press charges, he better make sure he wasn't he's clean. He wasn't actually taking pictures of, of this chick of this guy's girlfriend though.
0: Uh, well, how they're gonna prove? How's anybody gonna prove that?
5: I don't know, but if I was, then I would definitely not press charges. So like that kind of tells me something.
0: All right. Well, here's the thing: is the guy named the gym? So maybe we'll follow up with the original gym employee and be like, was it this gym? Yeah. And if it checks out, then we'll read part two of the email because I don't want to turn this into a, you know,
5: some guy making shit up. Yeah, Yeah.
0: right. (laughs) (laughs) From Daniel Steele. He said he was taking pictures, but he had a man bun. All right. We do have real ones here. although we did have somebody ask us if we should do an f1 qb stock game so f1 stock game we haven't done any f1 kevin having his own f1 pod i'm really derailed happy for this him, whole but shit it, but it sort of fucks our <laughs> whole going abroad thing which didn't like i was like oh man that's awesome congratulations can't wait to come on and now i'm like yeah it kind of fucking sucks for us though so i i'm happy for the company i'm happy for kevin before i am upset about our fourth Best segment. Well those are all nice things yeah. to say. But yeah, you do not know. No, but I believe it. I believe it. Because if I were really pissed, I just wouldn't say anything. Um uh, I and I'm not really pissed, but it was dawning on me that I go, Yeah, we haven't had Kevin on for going abroad. We're three races in.
5: Oh <laughs> uh, that's so funny. If I was if I was really pissed, I'd do the manly thing and suppress my anger and not talk about yeah, it. We yeah, we wouldn't have started, started me. ten Tell, minutes late.
0: I,
4: we just talk about am it. I'm telling game. you
0: <laughs> I am telling you right now, if I were pissed, I would I would just yeah, internalize all of it. I wouldn't I okay, wouldn't. I'll, I'll say it. I'm pissed what version of this would i not be having for kevin clark right like there's no version of anything that he would do that I wouldn't be happy for the guy so all right um,
5: a stock update though on f1 would be much easier to figure out so
0: yeah but i got to figure out a way to to make it like all right who's undervalued and you're like haas obviously but <laughs> how do we calculate the value because we were using qbr with a win i like the formula for qb stock cuz it's it's very easy the problem for it ever being turned into like a real applicable money making thing is I think it's actually if you put your work in, you're kind of, like I don't know that anyone's ever ended up in the red when we've done it.
4: I think I was awesome. Awesome.
0: I think I was real close. No, but like I pitched it like I think five years ago. On. There was some guy that I knew and it, it's how this shit works. And he was going to try to get his slice out of getting me in a conference call with somebody else. He didn't even understand it. He just thought, oh, Russell has. Yeah, he gets it. He it's must popular. get it. <laughs> right. So I pitched it to not FanDuel, but it was something in its infancy of going, all right, how's this work? And then all the guy did was poke holes in everything I did. And I just went, hey. Super easy. We just get off the phone. (laughs) You know what (laughs) I mean? It's a better segment than business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Like I would like to figure out a way to maybe have this this be something that would work and and partner with somebody on it. But it wasn't that there weren't flaws, because there are. It was that it was like getting notes on a script where somebody's like, Well, I have to tell you all the things that you wrote wrong or what you've done wrong and what I don't like about the story. And you're like, Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Right, cool so
5: all right it does exist though there are uh, they've tagged us and stuff yeah i've been yeah there i think it's kind of hidden though the formulas of how they figure out what these stock prices are so it's a little sketchy i don't know i'm not telling people not to do it but i'm also saying be careful
0: no we've gotten a ton of people saying oh this place ripped this off or this but i first of all it wasn't the most original idea ever to begin with and people have talked about this fantasy sports stock market thing for years so I know that A-Rod's actually trying to figure out something. I mean, I remember reading something about this years ago. I was just trying to figure out a quarterback thing that made it a really easy segment, and it was a lot of fun, and then Cannell fucked it up. Didn't Spencer would just,
5: Dinwiddie do something where you could literally buy stock in him, like in real life?
0: In yeah, he career? wanted to do that. Yeah. I almost did that at a bar once. When I was leaving for Trenton, when I was leaving Vermont, there was a guy that was going to like float me 50 grand for the next 10% of my earnings. And even though I was worth nothing... I'm like that doesn't make any sense. He's like, I'd seed you like fifty grand towards your future earnings, and I was like, What am I fucking lightweight? Take that money and run, Memphis, Steve Miller, dude. Yeah, I was say it. <laughs> sounds like
5: a good it's way. want to lose money.
0: do that
4: to me? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> are you
0: serious though? That
4: that would have sucked. Wait, but it's ten percent. It's a, it's ten percent forever, or it's ten percent for like five years. Like, what is it?
0: Well, he wouldn't have done well the first. <laughs> eight years
4: yeah you would have totally recouped yeah you would have been you would have been a-okay with that
0: yeah but i probably you know i don't know that i would have been like okay i'm gonna set this aside all right so <laughs> i i do think that that should be like in the future or some some sort of show some concept of like the united states in 2075 like all these different elements of what you would have like people trying to figure out how to solve things which we're not very good at but um where you just start like going, all right, yeah, no, I'm gonna invest in this person. Buying low on Will they, Smith, right? Well, but then their wages are are garnished, like based, So there's no way <laughs> of like getting around not paying the person <laughs> back. Is that the market starts trading people and prospecting their future and everything? I love it. Great script are you, idea.
5: Yeah. Are you guys up on? Are you guys up to date on the We Crashed? because uh, that's basically what the investor that Adam Newman did, he was like, I'm not investing in WeWork. I'm investing in you as a person, as an entrepreneur. And he gave him $4.4 billion. And that didn't, that didn't work out super well for him.
0: Yeah. Way up to date on it. Slightly different <laughs> transaction. <laughs> but I, I get your point. Like you're, you're betting on the put. It wasn't, it wasn't. He's like, I believe money. in you. So I'm giving
5: yeah. you money. I don't care about WeWork. I just believe right. in you.
4: Yeah. Stop poking well, I, holes, Steve. Stop poking holes and shit. Sorry.
5: Here you go. My
4: bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. Moving on. <laughs> it's
0: almost Friday.
5: <laughs>
4: Okay, but what's season
0: three? (laughs) Never mind. All right. (laughs) All right, here we go. Um, There's probably already a show like this. Dude, they did it on the CW, seven seasons. Check it out. Free soda refills. How many is okay? Hi, all. Uh, Please settle a dispute between me and some work colleagues that dates back many years. Our office building was right across the street from a Qdoba. Uh, It had the kind of soda fountain where the customer filled up their own cup, as is in the case with many similar places. Clearly, the policy was free refills. All right. At the time, my position was that if you bought a soda cup that entitled you to literally however many free refills you wanted, you could not only refill in store on that trip, but come back later in the day or even subsequent days and refill your cup. If you're willing to clean out your cup between days, there was nothing stopping you from taking advantage of this policy. My view was that the store made the decision to outsource outsource they just got to they're selling fucking sodas man (laughs) decision to outsource both the work of refilling cups and the control over refills to the customer yeah that's what they thought they were doing and let's outsource the refilling they just wanted you to have maybe an extra diet coke with your fucking tacos all right so all's fair and love and soda refills if the store wanted control they should just put the fountain behind the counter like some other places do. there's plenty of places that actually leave it not behind the counter and they they don't think that you're just, it's a free for all, by the way. I put the above paragraph in past tense for a reason. At the time I was in my early twenties, maybe a little dumb. More importantly, was legit addicted to soda, which probably clouded my judgment. If you ask me today, I'm now 37. Drunk has been soda. debated for a long <laughs> time. Right. This guy's getting drunk uh, on soda. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd say there's probably some implied cap on refills. Oh, do you think so? Do you think there's some implied cap on refills? Uh, that it's okay to leave the store and come back later that same day, but probably not okay to come back the next day. Even writing it out now, I can't really explain where this implied cap comes from. Societal norms, I guess. Yeah, we're not fucking psychos. And I have to admit uh, that part of me still thinks old me was right. And I've just been swayed by years of argument thoughts. Now, you're wrong. No one should agree with you. This is insane behavior. If everybody did this, this is the free sample thing at the food court deal. You know, we used to joke, roly-boly, check it out, Google it. They dice up these little, I don't know what the hell, they were sort of calzones, but they weren't, honestly didn't look all that complicated to make, but they just sort of look good. College guys would go there, they have free samples, and guess what? If you were the free sample guy, like if you just took the tray and dumped it into your hand, you're you're an asshole, you know, because if everybody did it. The reason we all pay more for insurance is because there's people that fuck with insurance all the time. So if you're going through life thinking, yeah, you know, sure, you can talk yourself into a lot of stuff if you want to. Most normal people do not feel this way. Thanks for listening to the podcast, though.
4: Yeah, I appreciate it. You're not owed anything. I mean, what really what does it cost? I mean, even if you're a broke college guy, you can probably scrounge up uh 215 or whatever it costs. Um, and then and then if it's if it's really important that you get the most like most bang for your buck you're gonna have to sit there and drink a bunch of sodas and try not to feel bad for yourself but like you can't you just can't like once you once you cross the threshold like it's a new day for you once you cross yep. the door threshold it's a new day
5: you can't leave you basically get you get one fill up and then like the move would be when you're done with your meal you can get another fill up on the for way the out road. and you leave and you get two cups soda, and that's it that's the rule i'm sorry like it logically yes you're right it probably cost them 10 cents for a for a soda refill, it's not a big deal in their book. But you're right, Ryan. If everybody does it, then that defeats the purpose, and you're ruining it for everybody. So stop.
0: Not much to add to that. I, I just I think there's like whenever I see people kind of think this way about certain things, like all right, you know, hey, Rosilla, do you want to tell a bartending story? Thank you for asking. <laughs> but like, there's just there's always like a a person, and there's multiple of these people, but. They'll say something. There'll be some sort of interaction where you just go, who raised you? What the fuck? Like, how did you, you know, we've all probably had like one of those roommates where you go, you know, five guys are going in the same direction. The six guys like, oh, what about this? You're like, what are you talking about? And it's not like, oh, I don't want to go with the mob or I don't like to go with consensus. It's not even zigging while people are zagging. It's just that you're like, what are you talking about? And I remember bartending and every now and then you'd have somebody come up and, you know, they'd usually be by themselves be like, Oh, I'm the DD. You know, you're like, all right, what do you want? Like "Uh, Coke? Can I have Coke? And I was always like free soda guy. I just didn't Mm. care. And honestly, I didn't rip the place off. So I just always felt like, all right, here's a Coke. The guy would come up, you know, Hey, can I have another Coke? And depending on the vibe, I might go like, all right, yeah, here's another Coke. And then, you know, the guy would be like, Hey, can I have another Coke? And he's not tipping you know, throw two bucks in the first Coke and most bartenders, especially if it's, you know, not like some corporate thing, our place is pretty divey. So nobody cared. The owners didn't care, by the way. And you're like, all right, dude, you know, like this isn't just free soda all night. Like I understand it. You're like, Hey, it's your responsibility for a designated drive that you have to provide free soda, free beverages. You're like, yeah, I don't think that's true. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think you made that up. I think it sounds good in principle that everybody's like, Hey, thank you for taking our responsibility. Making sure everybody gets home safe, that you're not going to make any bad decisions—that's all great. That's that's three sodas. I don't think it's four. I don't. I don't think it's four. It's like no, no, no. You have to do this. Be like, I don't have to do shit. Like this. Th- I don't know that this bill was passed. And the person that comes off that way, like demanding that these are the, it's like, you don't. What are you talking about? Like, you might doesn't feel like a winner, but you're a loser, and we all see. Yeah. It. Yeah. Like, ah, what'd you do last night? You got four free cokes at what ails you? <laughs>
4: Fucking awesome guy was giving me a fucking hard time. Bartender was chirping yeah. me about some fucking cokes. You believe that?
0: Yeah, didn't want to give me the fourth one, but guy gave in. I'm like, hey, here's your here's your eight and a half ounces of soda over ice. All right. Thanks for listening mm-hmm. once again. Just want to reiterate. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening. It's been a tough run for some of these email guys. Well, you know we appreciate you sharing content. We dude. do. Thank you. Okay. All right. This is a good one. We we get a strong one that's actually relevant here. Could argue the first three weren't most relevant. How to negotiate a raise, 25 years old, six foot, 190, mostly pull-ups and dips. Do high reps with decent weight for legs, not jacked by any stretch, but I look just fine. I love that about (laughs) you. I love that you look in the mirror and you feel good about it all. All right, big fan from back of the day. I remember watching Ryan's monologue when he shaved his head. Yep, with my buddies, missed that show. Yep, suck. Little background, I just passed the two-year mark at my company, which is the only place I've worked since graduating college in 2019. We're a general contractor uh, in probably the hottest sector of construction and have grown considerably in the past few years. So I'm trying to figure out if he's the GC. I don't, I would doubt he's the GC at 25, but, uh, maybe, maybe he is, or maybe he's part of a general contractor group and he's underneath another guy. Anyway, I'm a project manager. I could have kept reading. That makes more sense that he's not the GC, he's the project manager, which still has a lot of responsibilities. Uh, much further along than I anticipated at this point in my career. Part of it is due to the company growth, but I believe part of it is because I'm competent as well. Uh, the nature of the company is a lean operation with relatively low salaries, but typically great bonuses. My first year I made a good bonus, but last year's bonus was three times the size of the first. I am now managing an $11 million project with three other smaller jobs. For context, we'll make about $350,000 in profit on this job and my bonus will pay out about twenty-five percent of the three fifty. So we're looking at a bonus here of like, I don't know, uh eighty grand, eighty something grand.
4: Sounds good to me, pal.
0: Here's what I don't understand. If it's a eleven million dollar project, how's the profit? Three hundred fifty thousand dollars. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I'm imagining that is being um Maybe his division or his team, you know what I mean? It might be their profit. There's no way that an $11 million cost project, the only profit would be $350,000. All right, so... um my superiors have enough oversight to avoid catastrophe, but they're extremely busy as well, and I'm trusting to manage the budget and all day-to-day operations. <coughs> all right, so this guy's got a serious job here. My salary has risen by a few percent each year, but it's still much lower than it would be if I was hired with experience from another company instead of being hired straight out of college, which brings me to my question. I'm hoping you can draw on some experience for a good way to frame, uh, to ask for a raise. I'm truly grateful for that to treat me and I want that to come across. I don't want my boss to feel that I have an entitlement attitude uh, around bonus time um, when bonus time comes around this year. The, with the amount of work I'm managing and inflation on top of that, I feel like a raise is kind of due. Your thoughts would be greatly appreciated. Okay, totally fair question. Let's not get bogged down in some of the profit numbers and everything because I think he's he's probably hearing me say it'd be like, no, no, you guys aren't getting the point, um, which is fine. I don't want to get caught up in that. This is a really tough one for a lot of people because people are either wired to ask for raises or you're not. Right. Like there's people that will work at places for the longest time and never ask for raises. And it's funny because then people will be like, oh, you know, he just puts his head down does work and on and on. on. Employers love that. Love that person. You're their favorite. Okay, if you do your job and you never ask for a raise, you're the best. Like, yeah, let's keep this guy around. Um, And then you can kind of get walked all over and then you kind of screw up your own raise timeline. Now if you've been at a place for five years and you've done good work and you know it, I mean, some of us don't have the self-awareness to know whether or not we're valuable. Um. There's, there's plenty of people that have no value that are walking around telling you how valuable they are. And there's other people that don't realize their own value that, that never say anything about it. So it kind of gets down to kind of the fundamental, like the squeaky wheel thing, which, you know, growing up, I remember being told constantly, hey, squeaky wheel gets the grease." And then you get a little bit older and you're like, yeah, sometimes the squeaky wheel just gets replaced too. Um, you can't be the guy that crosses the line and starts, you know, six months in going, where's my raise? So not asking for raises over a long period of time almost... Screws yourself over if again you're valuable and, and, and worth it to the company. Uh, and there's no perfect answer for this. In that, if you never ask for one for like five years, that means there's been probably two times you could have asked. And now, like, you haven't started the process of like, if you're staying with a company this long, of getting raises down the road. Like, you've prevented probably a couple bumps for yourself because a lot of places, you know, it'd be great if places go, it's hard to find the right person for the job let me make sure I take care of this stuff. It's just not how business usually works. It's nice when that happens. Some of us have had that happen to us, but for the most part, it's kind of like, hey, here's what you get paid. And then that's the deal. And thanks for the work. And if you do extra work, that's great too, but we're not going to compensate you for that. So if you truly are valuable to this place and all these things, and you feel like you're being underpaid, even though the bonus structure is coming in here, I don't know if they're going to go, hey, this isn't about your salary, dude. It's about the bonus structure and the bonus structure tripled. So that's your raise. Like this isn't about a, a baseline thing. If it's all about bonuses in this version of, of the job that you're doing, I don't know that they're going to be in a huge hurry. Or you may be using a bullet on a raise uh, when they're like, yeah, fine. Here's a five to 10% cost of living raise over the year, but it's re- it's not even that big of a deal because your your base salary isn't that much. So now you've asked for a raise, you've used, I say bullet, you know, because it's like, all right, do I want to waste this fight? Because if I later on, if there's a bigger picture thing for me here, do I want to waste it over the ego of saying I asked for a raise and then I got it when it doesn't even seem like it's 25% of your salary? So what are you really asking for a raise here? And the other part of this, which is very common, and I hear from younger people all the time, and it's the same mistake that I made when I was younger. The whole idea of like, well, if I went somewhere else, I would make way more dot, dot, dot then fucking go somewhere else. All right, because a lot of us say that shit. And then you're like, I'm not going to take it anymore. And then guess what happens? You don't have this this tremendous value elsewhere. Now, you may, specific to you, know for a fact that you can get paid more somewhere else. So now you got to time that out because you're going to be willing to leave the place you're at right now. You seem like you're happy. It seems like they're taking care of you. I'd have to know all the real numbers on what the exact base salary number is versus the bonus stuff. But I think the way we've explained it makes a little bit of sense. Like, why are you that worried about a raise thing when that's not really even how you get paid? You know, bankers on Wall Street aren't fucking worried about their every two-week take-home. They're worried about the bag at the end of the year. So I would – I would I would find all right. So if you feel like you're being underpaid, you can make a ton of money elsewhere and you're okay with leaving your current situation, then go find that out and go ahead and get an offer if, you know, that's what you're interested in doing. And then if you want to, you can bring it back to the other guy. But don't you have to be very strategic and it's it's there's no perfect way of playing this out because you don't know the attitude of your bosses. Everybody's different. I don't know your attitude. You may be great, you may be delusional, but I'm always Big on kind of the timing of of things, you know. When I was at ESPN, i I asked for full time employment, and I asked for three months after Van Pelt and I had started the show, and it didn't go well. I to this day know I'm right. I was an afternoon guy, full time, five days a week, and I was filling out fucking timesheets, and I was told. You know, dot, 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 do the show, see how it goes, and then we'll revisit this. And I was like, okay, great. So I waited three months. I thought that was fair. Hey, the show's going to be really good with Scott and I. I went up, I said, hey, the show kicks ass. Can I become a full time headcount? I wasn't even asking for that much money. I was the least paid of anybody that was regular on the radio, not even close. And I went to the guy, and my position was strong. I'd been at the company four years. I'm named Van Pelt's co host. The show's been on the air three months, it's going really well. Um, I'm pretty upfront, which isn't always great. It can be a lot of, it can be a big turnoff for a lot of people, especially when they're older than you and have been around. And the guy that I went to talk to, he was, he did not have my back. He didn't like my attitude. He didn't like my personality. He didn't even want me to be Scott's co-host. And so I go in and I'm like, Hey, you know, the show kicks ass. Can I become a full time headcount? Can I have 401k? Can I have health insurance? Can I have benefits? And he's like, when's the show going to kick ass? That's what he said to me. So I was like, I was like, all right, well, I'm fucked. And guess what happened? I had like this stupid subcontractor deal where, again, I'm filling out time cards and I'm the co-host of the afternoon show in the country. Like, think about that. It's insane. Like, I don't know that that has ever happened at a national network, but that's how they felt. And so guess because I had a little bit of an attitude in that meeting, I restarted the entire clock and they rode my ass out as a part-time guy for the next year and a half. Because they were like, fuck him for even asking. Now, I'm right. I was right then and (laughs) I'm right now. But it didn't matter if I was right. It mattered how I was perceived. It mattered how the person felt about me. So we can all go around saying, oh, right, it's been 12 months. I'll ask for a raise. Like, don't go five years without asking for a raise. But, you know, hey, it's been six months. It's been 12 months. The timeline of it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's really up to that person.
4: Right. I think in most lines of work that I know of, you just kind of eat shit when you're younger. Like I know for a fact, like in media, that's what everyone, the people in media have some of the best stories. But like in the firehouse, if you're working as a teacher, if you're working most places, like you just kind of end up eating shit. It doesn't even really sound like you're eating shit. Sounds like you're getting like decent bonuses. It sounds like you kind of get out what you put into it. So that's positive. And I remember he said he's young, but yeah, I think there's definitely a difference between going five years and going two years. And like you said, yeah, if you went somewhere else, then you would, you would be given all these other things, but you can't, you can't just like have this imaginary place that can't wait to hire you. Like you, you didn't, you didn't start from that place of like anybody coming to get you. You're like, ha- you were happy to have the job and you're still happy, but you're just not super happy with the, with the thing. So I think, I think saying like, yeah, inflation, I think that's probably okay, but it'll be like, Hey, I'm just wondering, like, you know, I'm just crunching the numbers here. And I feel like, you know, if it's like the inflation's 11%, my race is 3% think technically uh, I'm losing like 5% here. But uh, like, but uh, you- Yeah, you, the
0: inflation though, inflation isn't like a, it, people are talking about inflation left and right right now. And I'm not going to tell you, I'm some economist that understands it perfectly. But if you go to your boss and say, inflation's eight to 11%, <laughs> then I need an eight. To, that's just not how it works. Yeah, it's not I how know. Because 10% raises say,
4: don't happen. Like I know that.
0: And well, it's also not across the board and all. There's a formula for for how inflation is calculated based on cost to each person again somebody else will probably debate me on this
5: i mean um, the company could also just be like that's all right take it up with the white house dude what do you want me to do <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> this isn't political i'm just saying whoever no Wait, anybody could be in Saru- office but like sorry Saru- dude like Saru- i don't
0: know are you a trump guy
5: no please, let's not even go down this road. i don't we've all right, okay, here we go so like take it out of context somebody's gonna post it on twitter like here we go anyway i just think like if you're if they're the boss i just think that's inflation is an easy thing to just be like dude okay man everybody's going through it sorry like it's just a tough time and in general like us as a company we have to deal with inflation i think it's an easy deflection for the guy to make my thing would be you have to i would i would bring your personal happiness into this you know i would say hey you know i've been working hard for this company and you know i i, I like my job I like the people i work with but like i just feel like i i you know i, I for the effort that i put in the work that i put in like my happiness partially is dictated by what I'm making. And I feel like I could be making more and I'm not looking to leave necessarily, but i just want to put it on your radar because I think if you come in too hot, you're right. You risk the Rossillo of, even if you're right, like the guy's going to say no, just cause he doesn't like you. Um, whereas if you just kind of <laughs> like if, 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 love- if you talk about <laughs> your sweet. happiness and your future and why you like being at the company, don't no, talk about how much you like working there and how much you see a future for yourself there. But like, you know, you still are interested in kind of looking out for yourself. I think that's like the safest way to do it. Um, And then it's kind of in the guys in the the back of your boss's mind. And then, you know, because you can't ask for a raise like every year and be like, hey, I'm underpaid, I'm underpaid, I'm underpaid. Pick and choose your spots. Talk about your happiness. Talk about your life. And then if it doesn't go the way you want, then I think you should actually start looking for other things. And then you need actual leverage.
4: Yeah, you got to have the real leverage. And you got to remember that you got to eat shit on the way up a little bit. Like, congrats on working your way up there.
0: Yeah, you've been at it two years. Um, But Sarudi brings up some good points there. Uh, look, I had one negotiation very early on at ESPN where the stock market was just down that week. It wasn't the housing crisis. <laughs> the stock market just had like a bad week. <laughs> and and the guy who was doing my deal, and again, it wasn't like I had, was Skipper wasn't exactly going, where are we on Marcello's new extension? You know, that was not the level <laughs> I was at. He didn't care. He didn't know what the hell I was making. And the guy was like, ah, tough week for the Dow. I was like, wait, that's how we're opening negotiations? <laughs> Like he was planting the seed in my head because the Dow had had a bad run of three or four days that, you know, don't like, or, that you're you're off Don't even think about it, Pat. <laughs> right. And I'm like, what?
4: <laughs> the more I'm thinking about it, the better it is. No, and you'd have, <laughs> to, <incredible> know,
0: <laughs> you'd have to know the guy, too, that, that did it. I'm not going to explain any greater detail, but I just was like, wait. And then I, I heard that I got less than I wanted because the guy didn't want me making more than him.
4: No oh, man, oh. what a shit that show, huh? Dynamic. What a shit I show that a, place. I have,
0: I have so many fucking terrible contract stories. Uh, so we'll
4: leave it at that. That's our contract podcast offshoot. We're gonna, we're gonna go back and forth with F one yeah. and, and contracts. <laughs> I might have to be retired for that one. <laughs>
0: this will be the tell all book.
4: Yeah, be, yeah, it'll just be like, all right, here we go. <laughs> the literal, I'll never work in this town again situation. We're yeah, like, oh, fuck yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> There yeah. we go. You know, my, I got my G
0: C license. We got the insurance. <laughs> I got all the whole new I got my belt and all my new DeWalt stuff I'm not going to use.
4: <laughs> you but, just hired this guy. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> no, our, I'll our look, email here. I'll
0: look at trucks. There's this truck that I want down the road, and then I'm like, I'll put a lumber rack on it and be like, well, that would have come in handy a long time ago. Not sure you're gonna be hauling too much pressure treated around.
4: I'm like, I don't know. I'd to be fun I to, just love to the switch way. on the street cleaning days. Fun to try to wedge that into a little spot. Somewhere. yeah that's the other problem is, it's, is i have street cleaning two days a week and i'm like if you do that where are you parking you got a dually? you're getting clipped every wednesday by, by some guy just sc- scraping up against your extra
0: wheel dog people are just keying my dually because mm. there's less space on the sidewalk
4: <laughs> your your trunk's full of dog shit and green bags tons of dog <laughs> shit bed's just full of dog shit uh what a fun time this has been thanks to
0: kyle and steve <laughs> As always, enjoy the start of the NBA playoffs. Bill and I will be ready to go after full action four-game Saturday and Sunday, so please check out Bill's Sunday All of his pods and my podcast. Please subscribe. Ringer Spotify.